morning. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching, or silent flock by night, behold, throughout the heavens, that shone a holy light. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds fear and tremble when low above the earth. Give them another round of applause. Amazing. Great. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church. It's good to see you here. And those online, thank you for tuning in. It is truly the greatest time of the year, all right? I love Christmas time. Merry Christmas. It's finally here, all right? And what a great way to get us kicked off this morning. So I, I, I kind of dressed up a little extra festive today, all right? I don't usually do this, all right? There's a reason why I did this, but first... There's some amazing fashion perks that come with this. All right, watch this. So, day of Christmas, day after Christmas, Hawaiian Santa. Isn't that amazing? So, there it is, boys and girls. There it is. It's great. No, the reason why I'm wearing it today is because we're having an ugly Christmas sweater contest tonight at our Blaze Christmas party. So, if you're a teenager tonight, I wanted to remind you tonight from 5 to 7 is our Blaze Christmas party in the gym. We're super excited to have you. We have lots of candy. A lot of hot cocoa, a lot of Christmas presents, dirty Santa, all that stuff. So I want to remind you this morning. But it's good to see you here. It's good to come together as God's family. And there isn't any better people or group to celebrate the coming of our Savior than with you guys. So I want to invite you all to stand, and we're going to continue our worship service this morning. But first, let's ask God to bless our time here together today. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And again, thank you so much for bringing us all together, God. It's good to, to join with one another as a church family, as our families, and, and to be able to celebrate your coming, God. 
you, you've given us hope. You kept your word. You sent us hope. And because of that, we're able to have new life in you. We are able to be reconciled with you. And God, today we are thankful and we celebrate all that you've done. Thank you for your son. Thank you for Calvary. And thank you. Thank you for keeping your promises. Bless our services today as we continue to sing and worship you. Be with Brother Will as he brings the message and open our hearts and make us the people that you want us to be. We love you in your name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Bless you. That's a cool sweater, isn't it? I'm going to ask the Seabolt tribe if they would uh, make their way up to the podium. This is our literally our first baby dedication during the middle of COVID. Isn't that great? We're having one today, and it's going to be fantastic. This is, a, this is an awesome family, uh, the Seabolt tribe. Here they come. Wonderful. Wonderful, good deal. Y'all all come up and gather around, and man, wow, this is awesome, and they're still coming. You know what? L- literally, there are a lot of churches having church today, and their church is not any bigger than what this family is. This is a big family, isn't it? Give them a big hand this morning. I want you to let them know you love them, and what a great group of people. Uh, Josh and Danny, can I tell you something? God has genuinely blessed you guys. They have, they have a triple header going right here. God has blessed them with three precious, wonderful girls. Girls. Maisie is the oldest one. She watches out for her sisters. Dallas is the little middle daughter. And today we're going to dedicate Maggie to the Lord. And you're precious. You're beautiful. Give Maggie a big hand. Let's just keep clapping this morning. Josh and Danny and family, I want you to know that the scriptures bear witness to the fact that what you're doing here today is, is biblical. Because there are parents of old who would bring their children and dedicate them to the Lord and his service. For example, Hannah in the Old Testament brought her son Samuel to the Lord's house and not only dedicated Samuel to the Lord, but also gave him back to the Lord's service and his house. We read that Mary, the mother of Jesus, according to the law of Moses, brought her child and dedicated him to the Lord. So I am confident that God is well aware of what you're doing here today, and he is going to honor your act of commitment and sacrifice as you dedicate. Look at her yawning. She says, come on, Brother Will, get it over with as you dedicate little Maggie to the Lord today. A couple of passages of Scripture I want to read to you guys, and really this one is to the whole family. Here is our word from God, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel... The Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. Now, that's not just for the parents. That's really for the whole tribe, the whole family. And it tells us to do this, family. We are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Church, that's with the whole body, everything. You love God. He's number one in your life. And then you hearken diligently yourself to the Word of God. That is, you internalize God's Word so that you can then pour it into the lives 
of these precious kids. And, and that, that is a lifelong activity, to love the Lord and to pour into the life of your kids. Here's another great passage in the book of Proverbs. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will not depart from it. So Josh and Danny, in presenting Maggie for dedication, you not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your desire that she come to know Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior and find God's will for her life as well. So in order to obtain this holy end, it will be your duty as parents to teach her to love the Lord God with all of her heart, soul, mind, and strength early in life, to watch over her education so that she is not led astray, to direct her youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and her little feet with those cute little moccasins on to the house of the Lord, to restrain her from all harmful associates and habits and as much as in you lies to bring her up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So if you promise to do this, not only as parents but as family, will you say, I will help little Maggie to know God's will for her life. And church, I'm going to ask you that you come alongside this family and do everything you can so that little Maggie know the Lord and follows the Lord's will for her life. And if you promise to help them do that, say, we will. Fantastic. Josh and Danny, i got a few things for you right before we dedicate Maggie to the Lord. Uh, here's a beautiful certificate. I'll give that to you since you've got her. Uh, you can do with that what you want. Hang it in her room. Here, here's something pretty cool, church. This is a letter that I've written to Maggie to be open on her 18th birthday. And uh, I'll tell you all what I've written in this is uh, telling her what we did today on uh, December 20th, 2020, that we dedicated her to the Lord. And I remind her that if she's not already done it, that she needs to give her life to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's as simple as ABC, and uh, then I've signed it. I'm going to give that to you. Put it in a safe place when she's 18. Give it to her. Cool thing is, I'm, I'm getting phone calls and text messages and even letters from kids who are now 18 who've opened their letters. And uh, let me tell you, it makes me cry every time I get one of those. It, it is so awesome. Josh, I'm going to give you something else, buddy. This is a little pink New Testament. It's got Maggie's name on it. And I'm going to give that to you. And I'm going to instruct you as her papa to teach her from the Word of God, right? Awesome responsibility. Maisie, what do you think? Isn't that cool? You've got one just like it, and so do you, Dallas. Can I take her? Would that be okay? Oh, my goodness gracious. Isn't she awesome? Isn't she great, Brother Johnny? I love her outfit, and that headband is just awesome. Maggie, it is with great honor that we dedicate you to the Lord Jesus Christ Maggie, it is my prayer that you find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for your life. Brother Johnny, would you say a prayer of dedication over Maggie? Our dear Father, we thank you for this precious gift, Lord. We thank you for Maggie. We just ask you, Lord, to bless her, Lord, in her life. We thank you for her family. We ask you, God, that they will lead her, Lord, in the right way. Thank you for letting us be among us, and we just lift her up to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Lord, we give her to you. Do something great with this awesome little girl. Give her a big hand, would you? Isn't she awesome? Danny, we love you guys. Love you, family. Thank you so much. God bless you. Y'all can walk off the stage. Dallas, you be a good big sister to her, okay? 
Maisie, we're counting on you too, all right, girl? She's in good hands, huh? Isn't that great? Church, would you stand up? We're going to continue to worship the Lord through songs today, and this is the Sunday before Christmas, so uh, let's give it all we got.
such a glory. In the cool breezes of Eden, brought from the infant earth, one arose, the voice of his creator speaking his identity to life. Adam, man, and as heaven waited short with breath, the creator spoke yet another, Eve, mother of all the living. So it was with Abraham, named in the promise as the father of nations, Peter, the rock upon which the church would stand. The name called to life the destiny within. The name set the stage for all that was to come. And unto us a child was born. And what name could contain his glory? For he was mighty God, as the universe gasped into being flinging rays of light from his presence to pierce the void, to shatter the shadows to a tapestry of color. And he is mighty God, shattering our darkness, revealing our light, our truth in him. He was everlasting father when orphaned Israel needed a father's touch. When we, with grief-stricken cheeks, need the embrace of one who never leaves, when we have lost our way to dark horizons, it is our everlasting Father who lights the way home. He is Prince of Peace. When, like Elijah, we need the still small voice in the turmoil's midst. When, like David, we need the melodies of his presence to soothe our troubled minds. He is sanctuary within our trials, shepherd guiding us to still waters. And yes, he is wonderful counselor. God who gives counsel in the chaos, crafting disorder into calm and failure into beauty. He is a voice for the voiceless. He is dignity for the stateless soul. It is he who raised up a lowly shepherd to become a king. He who took the fishermen of Galilee and made them leaders of history. It is the counselor who redeems our lost years breaking chains that have kept dreams imprisoned and joy confined. The name reaches across eternity, exclaimed by the splendors of galaxies, sung by the passions of angels, roared in heaven's fervor, exalted in creation's unfettered rejoicing. What name could contain him? What title? What soul renowned? For this is our wonderful counselor. This is our mighty God. This is our everlasting Father, our Prince of Peace. What name could contain Emmanuel, God with us, Yahweh, the great I Am. What name could contain the Word of Life, the Light of the World, the King of Kings, the Lord of All. We bow to the name that holds every other in its matchless worth. What name could contain such? 
such a glory. What name but Jesus? We cry, Jesus. We cry, holy is the name.
your name is beautiful. It is wonderful. And it is powerful. It is holy. It is precious. And I'm so thankful I can say it is the name of my Savior. I'm so thankful that you willingly came all those years ago to be born in a manger in a stable in Bethlehem. And that you lived here on this earth. Just so that I could have a chance at eternal life. How precious that is to me. And Lord, let me never take it for granted. And if there's one here today, Lord, that does not know you as their Savior, let them not leave this building without that precious gift that you gave us. We love you. We thank you and we praise you, Lord, for everything that you gave us, but for, Lord, who you are. give you this service in your very precious and holy name. Amen. team. Give them a big hand. That was awesome. Great job. Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Lord's house. Glad that you're uh, in person and those watching online, we welcome you. It's Christmas time. Isn't it great? I love Christmas. Uh, the whole family came in. We got everybody here, all the kids, uh, the outlaws are with us, and uh, the most precious one, the rock stars are not in here. They're in the nursery, all right? Uh, my, my little grandkids, uh, Ella Jane, too, and, and little Archer, who's what? He, what is he now? Five months old. And uh, Ella Jane, she's, bless her little precious heart. She is so awesome. Uh, she's talking up a storm, and she has her little Bible. She carries it around. She's carried it so much, Kenan, that she's already broken the, the, the binding off of it, and it's just the pages. She, she reads her Bible all the time, and before she goes to bed, she prays. And her daddy will say, Ella Jane... Who are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? And the very first thing that she says that she's thankful for is Poe. I'm Poe. Huh? I'm Poe. And it, it's just, and it's killing them because they're like three or four on the list, all right? It's Poe and Lolo that she's so thankful for. And then last night she was in the kitchen about to leave and she looked at Angie and she said, I love you, Lolo. I think that was her first complete sentence, I love you, Lolo. And Angie's head started glowing, and she was so happy, and Tyler and Whitney were a little disappointed that it wasn't them that she said that to. Aren't grandkids great? They're awesome. I love grandkids. 
and I love Christmas time. This Christmas, we are discovering the Emmanuel prophecy. Because of what happened on Bethlehem's manger, God is a whole lot closer than what you think. The Emmanuel prophecy was actually given in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. That prophecy had a dual fulfillment. It was actually fulfilled in the very next chapter, Isaiah chapter 8. But the ultimate fulfillment of that prophecy occurred 740 years later in Matthew's gospel chapter 1. Check this out, verses 22 and 23. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That's what the Emmanuel prophecy is. God is with us. God is near to you today. I read this past week about a dad and a mom who were trying to explain to their little four-year-old son what Christmas really meant. And so the dad looked at his son and asked him the question, son, do you know where Jesus lives? And he thought the little boy was going to say, in my heart or in heaven. But after he thought about it for a second, the little guy said, he lives in the attic. And the mom and dad looked at each other a bit confused, and then they realized, I thought of Jed, because he's a thinker. They looked at each other a bit confused, and then they realized, you know what, we just brought the manger scene down from the attic, and we carried little baby Jesus with us. So literally, he thought Jesus lived in the attic. Can I tell you something, church? Jesus is in the attic, yes, but Jesus is everywhere, Jesus is near us today. Last week, we saw the fulfillment of the Emmanuel prophecy in this regard. God is with me in my struggles. So when I'm really struggling in life, and, and life is difficult, and life is hard, guess what? God is near me. Jesus is with me. But the Emmanuel prophecy also means that God is with us during our confusion, when we don't know which way to go, when situations occur in our life and we really don't know the best thing to do or what to say or even what to think, we need to realize that in those confusing times, the Emmanuel prophecy can kick in. And when we realize God is with us, he's going to take all the confusion away and give us a clear path to know what to do. Amen? That's what we're going to look at today. I don't know. I think, I just, I'm just guessing, I think I'm a little more excited about this than you are. Eh? So come on, get on the train with me and, and let's be excited because you know what you do? You look confused today. I think, Nathan, you did it with the Santa changing clothes on your, on your sweater right there. Let's get out of our confusion and let's find clarity today. Well, you know, I've, I've been thinking about uh, Christmas because it's right here. How many of you have totally finished your Christmas shopping, nothing else to buy? Raise your hand, you're all done. Okay, that means the rest of y'all still have gifts to buy? Good luck. Good luck. I, I thought of a, of, a, of a new 
device that, that you could invent that would not only bring you a lot of money, but would be of great help to us. Now, we all have our smartphones, our iPhones, our devices, and, and within those, you've got GPS that helps you when you're confused and don't know which way to go, right? You just type in your destination, and it will verbally, Jason and I use this, it will verbally, it's awesome, No, you don't need a map anymore, you got your iPhone, it will tell you where to go. Take the next exit, turn to the left, your destination is on the right. Isn't that great? It's great for confusion while driving and needing instructions on how to get places. What if you devised an application for a device that helped us with other confusing times in our life? Now, it would take more than just the application. Maybe a Bluetooth device that could go in your ear and speak to you. And maybe also, Google tried to do this a few years ago, unsuccessful. I think Apple's attempting to do it now. You had glasses that you wore that could see what you see and communicate with your smartphone. Now, here's how it would work, something like this. You're at Walmart or you're at the mall and you run into somebody you hadn't seen in years and they call you by name and for the life of you, you can't remember their name. You know that you know them, but you can't remember their name. And so what do you do? You, you punch your, your little device and visually it can see through your glasses and it will whisper into your ear, Randy Smith. And there you go. You got it. Wouldn't that be great? Or how about this? Guys, you're, you're buying the wife a Christmas gift, but you're confused as to what she actually wants or needs. You spent hours in the sporting goods store going up and down every aisle. <laughs> and you say out loud, I just don't know what to get. A shotgun or a bow or maybe some new golfing clubs. And the device speaks to you in the ear and says, dummy, you're in the wrong store. You need to go to Dillard's to the shoe department, right? right? Wouldn't that be great? If some of you smart people would invent that, we could pay for our building just like that, all right? Because we all need it. The fact is, we really do need help in making right decisions. Life is much more complicated than just remembering people's names or knowing what to buy somebody for Christmas. It's knowing what to do what to think when the doctor comes into the examination room and tells you you've got the C word. Now, right now, that could either stand for cancer or COVID, right? I mean, what do you think? What do you do? It's knowing what to think and what to do when your teenage daughter comes home and tells you that she's pregnant and you know she's not married. And you're thinking, wow, Brother Will, where did that come from? Well, it came from the story we're going to look at today. Let me tell you guys, life can get complicated. Life can get messy. And sometimes we don't know what the right thing to do is. That's when we need the Emmanuel prophecy to kick in. Now, again, Matthew chapter 1, 22 and 23 is the fulfillment of the Emmanuel prophecy given way back in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. The Emmanuel prophecy, once again, is God with us. God is with us. And this morning, I want us to zoom out a little bit and see the context more completely. 
And as we do, we see that for all the glory and all the awe and the circumstances surrounding the birth of God's Son, Jesus Christ, it really is a time of confusion. There were people really confused. Specifically, Joseph was confused. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged, she was engaged or betrothed to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be with child, and get this, it was through the Holy Spirit that she became pregnant. Now, this real life situation gets glamorized in the manger scene, but this is a mess. Let me tell you, from a human perspective, this is a mess. Mary and Joseph are in a pickle. And Joseph was more than just a little bit confused when all of this happened, when Mary announced to him, Joseph, I'm pregnant. And Joseph begins to think, okay, what am I going to do? What is the right thing to do? Look, look at verse number 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Let me just answer your question because you're going to get distracted with this. You're thinking, well, they're not married yet. Why would they need to be divorced? In biblical times, in New Testament times, an engagement or a betrothal was a legal act. Okay? They had not actually had the ceremony. They had not consummated the marriage as of yet. But according to the Jewish law, through their engagement, they were as good as married. All right, And it required a legal divorcement to get out of this engagement. But the Bible also tells us in that verse that Joseph was a righteous man. Some translations use the word, he was a just man. And there is a rich history behind that idea. The Hebrew word that is used for righteous man meant that he was known for his uncompromising obedience to the Torah, which was the law of the Old Testament. He had committed his life to doing the right thing. And no matter what else you think of Joseph in this story, I think Joseph was a pretty good guy. He had spent his life attempting to do the right thing in every given situation. But this was the biggest test of his life. And let me tell you right now, it was a mess. This righteous man had a problem. The girl that he loved with all of his heart, the girl that he had promised to give his life to, was going to have a baby. And Joseph knew that he was not the father. Now, Mary had explained to Joseph what the angel had told her, that, that the Holy Spirit of God was going to come over her, and that she was going to conceive this baby, and she was going to give birth to the, to the Son of God. Now, I really don't think Jojo got it right then. He, he was hung up on the fact she's pregnant. He, he didn't understand or comprehend this explanation. Here's what Joseph knew. I live in Nazareth. You say, well, big deal. Nazareth was a small town. 
Do you know how things are in a small town? Angie does, because Corning, she grew up in Corning, small town. Everybody knows what everybody else is doing even before they do it, don't they? That's the way it is in a small town. Everybody's in everybody's business. There is nothing worse than old women gossiping. Come on. Oh, yes, there is. What's worse than old women gossiping? Old men gossiping. Come on. Come on. And I have found out that men love to gossip more than women do. And here was Joseph's problem. He lived in a small town where everybody knew what everybody else was doing. And he knew it was only going to be a matter of days when they found out Mary's problem. And here's the bigger problem. The Jewish law that they lived under gave clear instructions about what to do with somebody in Mary's condition. A section in Deuteronomy chapter 22 stipulated that if a young woman pledged to be married is unfaithful and she becomes pregnant outside of wedlock, she was to be brought before the door of her father's house and every man in the village was together around her, pick up rocks and stone her to death. Wow. Hmm. Faced with these confusing circumstances, Joseph began to really think about what he needs to do. In fact, we see this in a couple of verses. Look at verse 19. It tells us, because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. That is, he had been what? He had been thinking about it. But after he had considered this, after he had spent days and nights agonizing over this, revolving it over and over in his mind, he was okay, I guess the best thing for me to do is to just divorce her quietly. But we can see the Emmanuel prophecy come onto the scene here. After all of his thinking and all of his planning, Joseph decides the best course of action is a quiet, private divorce. A betrothal, again, an engagement, once again, was a legal act. It required an act of divorce. And in this way, Joseph thought that he could minimize Mary's disgrace and at the same time maintain his righteousness. So much for his thinking, because we see in the very next verse, an angel of the Lord came to him. Look at verse 20. Verse 20 tells us, but after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I, I want you to hang on that phrase, after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Now, my question is this. Why in the world did God make Joseph wait until he had gone through this internal and external struggle with all of these details? Why couldn't the angel of the Lord just appear to him before any of this happened and say, Jojo, here's what's going to happen. Mary's going to get pregnant, but don't you worry about it. God's going to get her pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I've got a plan. Everything is going to be okay. Don't worry about it. I've got this. 
Are you with me? Why didn't the angel tell him before? Why did God let him go through this struggle? I think that's a pretty good question. Maybe it has something to do with God's working in our lives during our times of confusion. Could it be that anxiety removal is not really God's number one goal for Joseph in this story, nor is it his number one goal for us? Perhaps getting his world literally turned upside down, having to struggle between what he thought a righteous man was and his love for Mary at the same time, he came to a point in his own struggle to realize, no, this is what a righteous man really is. I don't know. I don't know why it is God lets us go through confusing times. I guess because he wants us to grow up a little bit. He wants us to begin to see the world as he sees the world. It's a struggle we all face multiple times throughout our life. When we are confused, we need to remember and realize that we're not alone. Emmanuel prophecy, God is with me even during my times of confusion. And this story of Joseph helps us to see that. Now, I'm ready now for my four points. That was my introduction. Right? But don't distress. These are going to be four bullet points really quick. You write them down fast, listen to them fast, because I'm going to say them fast. Number one, when you're confused, know that God's got a plan. Come on. When you're confused, understand God's got this. You can be sure that Joseph was more than a bit confused. Mary, to whom he was engaged to be married, was pregnant. Joseph was in a quandary as to what to do. You can imagine his dilemma. But the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And again, I want to read verses 20 and 21 to you. But after he had considered this, this angel appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David... Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now verse 21. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name, because he will save his people from their sins. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. Give him the name Jesus, because he's going to save people from their sins. You can read this and realize God is giving Joseph some very specific instructions. It's almost like God is saying to Joseph, Joseph, I know you're shocked. I know you're confused. But you need to know that I've got a plan. Joseph, know this. I'm up to something pretty big here. And even though you can't see it or know it now, you are a part of my big plan. You are a part of something that I am doing in history. You're going to be a little piece of a big mosaic that is put together that is going to show the glory and the love of God to the whole world. I am choosing you to be the earthly daddy of my son. Wow. I'm up to something big, Joseph, and you're a part of it. Friend, you've got to know that when you're in the middle of a mess... You're in the middle of something God's doing. And whether you cause that mess yourself or you just find yourself in that mess, don't give up. 
Don't throw in the towel because God can take your mess and do something pretty cool with it. Now, I am not one that promotes uh, people messing up their life. Okay? My, my job is to try to help you to avoid that because one bad mistake can lead to another bad mistake and before you know it, your life is spiraling out of control. If you make a bad mistake, you know what? You need to own up to it. You need to ask forgiveness for it. And you need to let God turn that mess into something good. Are you with me? Because he can do that. I, uh, sometimes when I'm in my truck, I'll listen to country music. Don't hate on me for doing that. But you know, I kind of got into this little thing. I'll, I'll, I'll listen to the the good old country songs. Well, I was driving to Nashville a, a few days ago, and I had it on a country station, and I heard this Kenny Chesney song. Anybody like Kenny Chesney out there? Okay. And I don't think about it. I, I just listened to this song. I'd heard it before, but I was listening, and I started crying. I mean, it, it, it actually tore me up. Before it was over with, I was bawling. And, and I don't know, it's a crazy story about this young kid, and, and he finds out that he's got his his girlfriend pregnant, and that sounds bad, but you know what? Here we are here, and, and he doesn't know what to do. He's, he's thought he, he thought he had ruined his life. In, in fact, he, he sings, there goes my life. There goes my future. There goes my everything. He had these big plans of leaving town and going out to the coast and living it up, but now he had messed up his life. It's gone. You're singing with me. Whitney knows this song. Mm. But you know what? A couple years later, what is it, a thousand diapers change later? A few thousand diapers later. That mistake was covering his refrigerator. This is a little baby girl. And oh, how he loved that girl. She was fumbling up the stairs, and she turned around and looked at him, and there was love between them. And you know what he's saying now? There goes my life. There goes my future. There goes my everything. <laughs> I'm crying while I'm driving down the road. And then he gets to the third verse. She's got that Honda loaded down. Abercrombie clothes, 15 pairs of shoes. His credit card. He checked the oil, shut the hood, said, you're good to go. She hugged them both as she headed out for the West Coast. Y'all know this song. <laughs> and he sings again, there goes my life, there goes my future, there goes my everything. <laughs> I'm <falling down> the Again, listen to me. I'm, I'm not advocating that you mess up your life. But friend, hear me. Hear me good. Even when you do mess up your life, even when you find yourself in a mess not of your own creation, I serve a God who is Emmanuel, God with me, and he can take my mess and he can turn it into something that is beautiful. There's a verse that has guided me throughout my life, Psalms 32, verse 8. It says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you, and I will watch over you. So even when we're confused, 
God isn't. Wow. Number two, that was the longest point. Number two, when you're confused, follow the Holy Spirit. Now, this passage doesn't directly say that the Holy Spirit was guiding Joseph, but we know that the Holy Spirit was guiding him because the Holy Spirit is all over this story. For example, in verse 18 of chapter 1, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Verse 20, what was conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. We can be confident from the outset that the Spirit of God was working in this situation. God's Spirit was working in Mary's life, working in Joseph's life. And friend, I want you to know that when you're facing confusing times, the Spirit of God is there to guide you. How do I know that? Well, it is a promise from Jesus. Look with me at John chapter 14. Here's what Jesus said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor or comforter to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. Okay, this is the exclusiveness of Christianity. Not everybody gets the gift of the Holy Spirit. Only believers have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them. But you will know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I'm not going to leave you like orphans to do life on your own. I'm going to come and I am going to be with you. So we see this great work of the Holy Spirit is to be the presence of God in our life, to guide us and instruct us during our times of confusion. We just need to follow the Holy Spirit. I asked the people in the first service, how many of you have ever been scuba diving? Let me ask you, how many of you have ever been scuba dive. Well, some, that's interesting. I, I, it blew my mind in the first service, some of the people that raised their hand. I've never been scuba diving. I need to go. But Nathan and I decided we're just too afraid to go, I guess. We're kind of big sissies because, you know, it, it, it can, it, from what I read, it can be scary. I was, I was reading the, the report of a Navy SEAL. He goes way down in the ocean. He says, I go so deep in the ocean that you lose all sense of direction. You don't know where you are. And it is so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face. It's frightening. What do you do? Which way do you go? You don't know how to get out of there. He said, in times like that when I'm confused and don't know the way up, I feel for the bubbles. Specifically, this is what he said. When it's pitch black and you have no idea which way to go, you reach up with your hand and feel the bubbles. The bubbles always drift to the surface. When you can't trust your feelings or your judgment, you can always trust the bubbles to get you back to the top. We agree. That's pretty cool, isn't it, Jason? That's awesome, man. And what am I saying to you? Sometimes you can't trust your own feelings or your own judgments because you're all confused. But you can always trust the Holy Spirit. So just feel for the bubbles. <laughs> the Holy Spirit, he'll take you to the top. Number three, when you're confused, look to the Word of God. Sometimes in life we're disoriented or we're desperate. Other times we find ourselves drifting aimlessly. God knew that we would need advice. God knew that we would need an owner, owner's manual, an instruction manual. And so he gave us 66 books 
in one volume. Let me tell you what the Bible is. The Bible is a reality library. The Bible is stories and letters and guidelines and examples from God as to how we are to do life. Right here in Matthew 1.22, all of this took place to fulfill what the prophet had said. We know that God's word is true. Psalms 119.105, your word is a lamp unto my feet and it is a light unto my path. So when I am confused, I need to go to God to get direction. This is where I go. I've been a pastor for, I don't know, a long time now. And I've, I've literally counseled hundreds of people. I've, I've discovered a few things. Usually when, when, when people come and talk to the preacher, it's really late in the confusing times and they, their problem has grown to a really big problem. And usually they've already made up their mind and they're just looking for confirmation to do what... Anyway, that's beside the point. Sometimes people are really struggling. And what amazes me is this. The, the people and the sources that we listen to for advice. I mean, sometimes, does this make sense? Does it make sense if you are in a confusing period with a big, difficult decision, you will go and listen to somebody whose life is more messed up than your life? I mean, really, does that make sense? But yet we do it all the time. Or we go to the world, we Google it. I mean, if it's on YouTube, it's got to be right. <laughs> Listen to me, guys. If you're going to come and talk to one of us, you're going to come talk to Nathan, Jason, Ray, Devin, Angie, myself, Johnny. You know what we're going to do? We're going to say, well, let's go to the manual. Let's see what God has to say about that. Because this is true instruction. This is the truth. It's not going to lead you astray. You might find it difficult. You may not like the instruction that God gives, but God's word is true. And it directs every aspect of your life. So when you're confused, know God's got a plan. When you're confused, reach out and take the hand of the Holy Spirit. When you're confused, go to the owner's manual. And then number four, when you are confused... You need to come to a point where you're just going to step out in faith and do what God has told you to do. You're going to trust and obey. Look at verse 24 of Matthew 1. When Joseph woke up, he did, <laughs> I love that, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. He, he didn't need to ask anybody else. He didn't need to go to any other synthetic resource for a solution. He just did what God said to do. And that took some faith. That took some guts. That took fortitude. He just did it, man. He trusted and he obeyed. I don't know if you know the name Anne Graham Lotz. Uh, it's Billy Graham's daughter. Um, her last name is Lotz. She's married to a guy by the name of Denny. Anne is just a normal-sized woman, normal-height woman, but Denny's... Uh, He's, he's special. Denny's 6'7". It's pretty good, isn't it, Zane? 6'7". It's a pretty tall guy. He, he went to uh, North Carolina University, and so they love to go to football games, basketball games. And she talks about this in, in one of her books. She says that when they get to the parking lot, and this is pre-COVID, they get to the parking lot, cars are everywhere, a mass of people trying to get into the stadium. 
She said, if I'm just by myself, I get out and I, don't, I can't see where to go. But she said, with Denny, it's different because his head is above everybody else's head. It's the benefit of being 6'7". And he can see where he's going. So here's what Ann says. All I do is grab Denny's hand and I just follow him. I'm right behind him. Wherever he goes, I go. And he always takes us to our seat. And then to make the application, she says, that's the way I want my life to be with the Lord. Because sometimes I get confused. Sometimes I find my life in a struggle. Sometimes I don't know which way to go or what decision to make. But Jesus is above it all. Jesus sees everything. And all I have to do is take his hand. She says, 10 years from now, I want to be able to look back and say, yep, I did that by taking the hand of Jesus and simply following him. Emmanuel, God is with us. To have that promise fulfilled in your life, you need to invite Jesus into your heart. You need to trust Jesus as your Savior, to follow him as your Lord and your God. It's not difficult to do that. In fact, the Bible makes it pretty simple. It's as simple as ABC. A, admit that you are a sinner. We all are. B, believe Jesus is the only one who can save you from your sins, and he is. And then C, confess him as Lord of your life. When you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, the Bible says you can be saved. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes and, and just make this a, a personal time with the Lord. God's spoken to you today. I know he has. Whether you're in person or you're watching online, God, God has been speaking through his word. He's speaking right into your life because there is a point of confusion that you've had this past week. There are difficult decisions that you need to make and, and you just don't know which way to turn. Realize today God is with me. And if you invite Jesus into your heart and trust him as your Lord and Savior, God will direct your life. He will lead you and he will guide you. All you have to do is trust and obey. Step out in faith. Know that God's got a plan. Follow the Holy Spirit. Read the word of God. He's going to take care of you. Heavenly Father, with everyone listening to me right now, I pray that you would speak to us individually. And Lord, if there's anyone listening who needs to give their life to Jesus and Pray that sinner's prayer and invite you into their heart. I pray that they would do it. Lord, for the rest of us, I pray that we would just really continue to trust and obey you with all of life's difficulties and the confusion that we're facing. Lord, we're living in some confusing times, no doubt about that. I pray that you'd give us direction. Help us to know and understand and believe that you do have a plan for our life, that you will guide us through your spirit, lead us through your word, Help us, dear Lord, just to trust and obey. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Listen to me. We, we can't have altar calls with COVID going on. But if you've made a decision for Jesus, or if you need some help and advice in knowing what to do, come and talk to either myself or one of our pastors. We're here to help you, all right? And, and we want to help give you guidance, and we'll give you that guidance through the Word of God. So come and see us. If you're watching online and need to talk to one of our pastors, we're just a phone call away. Uh, call us. Well, here we are with the final announcements. Uh, when you leave in just a moment, mask up. 
When you walk out the door, we got the black boxes for your tithe and offerings, or you can give online, kavanaughchurch.com. Uh, tonight, it's 5 o'clock, teen party, man. It's going to be in the big gym. Really, is it ugly sweaters? They, do they really wear ugly sweaters? What if they don't have an ugly sweater? Done, yeah. Get a t-shirt and draw something. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Five to seven teenagers come up here. Nathan's going to take care of you. 6.30 tonight, we're going to have adult Bible study online. So you can go to Facebook, uh, our Facebook page or KavanaughChurch.com. Ray Copeland, one of our pastors, is going to be, te be teaching that. So uh, tune into that. One last thing, no Wednesday night service this week. So the next time I guess I'm going to see you is going to be next Sunday. Unless you decide to swing by this week and talk with me, all right? I want you to know that I love you, the staff loves you, but most of all, God loves you. Merry Christmas. Get out of here. <laughs>